Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us as we seek to establish Christ followers who live in obedience to God's Word and make an impact in their community and the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Brad continues in his sermon series called Psalms of Summer as he speaks on Psalm 23 about living and abiding in the presence of the Good Shepherd. Are you ready to make an impact for Christ? The time is now. Amen. Welcome to Impact Church. How's everybody doing this morning? So let's get into Psalms 23 in this second half. And the title of this message today is The Presence of the Shepherd. The Presence of the Shepherd. Last week was the voice of the shepherd. So now we're going to look and see about his presence. And starting this message off, we know we live in a a beautiful area here in Central Virginia where we have the uh, ability to look out and see some mountains, don't we? Some beautiful mountains. I mean, they're gorgeous, whether it's uh, getting ready to hit the fall time of year and the leaves change and give us color, whatever, but just the mountains in general, any time of year, they're beautiful. And because we live here, we know that the mountains are beautiful, but then there's also something in between them called what? Valleys, right? Yes, there is. And of course, in life, people allude to mountaintops and valleys as to good times and challenging times in our life. This passage, David speaking through the Lord, is going to allude just that to these valleys. So we know what a mountaintop is in our life, don't we? We know what a mountaintop experience is. It's the good times, right? I mean, that's when, that's when everything's going good. That's when my family's good, man. My money's good. My health is good. Stuff's just good. Mountaintop. Lord, give me some mountaintops, right? That's what we all want. And I mean, you would be a, a little crazy if you didn't enjoy the mountaintops, right? I mean, seriously, you'd be a little like, I wonder what's wrong with you. No, I don't, I don't like the mountaintops. I like the valleys. No, 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 no. We all like the mountaintops. And it's easy in our flesh, our human nature, to just want to go from mountaintop to mountaintop, isn't it? Like, let me just skip to the next one. But see, what we know, what we just talked about is between two mountaintops, there's a, there's a valley. There is. But oh, how we just love to hop those mountaintops. But it's not possible. It's not possible physically, and it's not possible in our life, and even spiritually to have challenges, to have times where we just know that things are well, and then times where we're just, we're just seeking the voice of God and seeking his direction and wondering where he is. Disciples went through that a lot of times. So we can't go from mountaintop to mountaintop without going through a valley. So we're going to see how to navigate these valleys here in this passage, the second half of this chapter that we're going to look at today. Because here's the truth. It's easy to know God's with you when you're on the mountaintop, isn't it? I mean, when everything's good and everything's right, and you're just like, oh, thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. And here's human nature, too, sometimes. If you stay on the mountaintop too long, you start thinking it's all about you and you don't need God, right? So often it's the valleys where we know we're not enough. The things of this world aren't enough. And we need something else. So it's easy to think and know God's with us on the mountaintop, but did you know God's with you in the valley? What are you facing right now that feels like a valley to you? Is God not there? Does he not care? Is he absent? No. He is 
there in the midst of whatever you and I go through, whatever challenges face us, he's there with his kids. His promise is to never leave us or forsake us, to stick closer than a brother. I don't know about you, but when I'm walking through a valley, I want a promise like that. And that's the promise of your Lord, your shepherd. And we're going to look at that as we go through. Because if you're like me, so often you have so many maybe problems going on, trials, resistances, things going on, challenges, that maybe sometimes it, it may feel like it, it's going to take me a couple weeks before I have time to even worry about all my problems. <laughs> How about you? I mean, there's so much sometimes in life. But do you know that there's a Lord, a shepherd, a guide, a director, a, a power, a strength, a provider that's right there to walk you through the valleys of life? Because what we're going to see today is, is that life's not all green pastures and still waters like the first half of the psalm. That there's a valley that you and I will have to walk through. There's challenges that we will face. There will be evil around us that will try to shut us down and make us live in fear. But our shepherd is there to strengthen us, guide us, and provide a way to the next mountaintop. Let me pray for us before we dive in. Dear Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you, Father, for who you are. And Lord, that you reveal yourself to us through your word. So Lord, let us learn more about you today. Father, that we can have the comfort, the peace, the joy, the strength to stand when we feel weak. In the midst of our challenges, our battles, our valleys that we all go through in life. And Lord, help us to know and understand you and who you are as the good shepherd that although it may seem like you're not there, like you're silent, like maybe even sometimes like you don't care what we're going through, Lord, that you do. And you are right there beside us, guiding us, directing us, calling us, getting us back in line when we get out, calming our fears, making a way. Lord, because there is a guaranteed mountaintop after the valley. That mountaintop may not be what we think it would be, but there is a guarantee, whether that's a physical mountaintop in this life or an eternal mountaintop in glory with you. There's a guaranteed mountaintop ahead. Lord, let us hear and know and understand that today. Father, I pray that you would come and move in the hearts and lives of your people like only you can do, and you're going to get all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so you can turn with me to the book of Psalms. And again, we're in chapter 23, and we're going to read the whole passage, the whole chapter again, but we're going to be specifically um, doing an expositional uh, message today through verses 4 through 6. So we're going to unpack all that. But let's read the whole psalm again together. Psalms 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, last week we unpacked a lot of this in the first three verses. And there was a lot to learn in there. That this, we live in a society, a world of wants. So when the Lord is our, our shepherd, that we don't have to want anymore. That we don't want the things of the world. That we're not constantly in this kind of wringing kind of our hands in a catastrophic kind of state of fear and anxiety and, and trying to, to just want and need and things. And the shepherd provides everything we need. We learned about how to, his sheep hear his voice. And they follow him, and they don't follow the voice of a stranger. They won't do it. They only go to the shepherd. And we showed that video last week that showed that, even in real life, how many people tried to call his sheep, and they would just, eh, and go back to feeding, right? But then when the shepherd, the farmer, called the sheep, here they come. And then when he stepped across that fence, what did they do? They all come running to him and rubbing up against him. That's that personal relationship that the shepherd has with his sheep. And the sheep have with the shepherd. They love him. They want to be with him. Such a message in that right there already. And then we learned how in that passage last week, how he makes me lie down in green pastures. And we saw how a, how a sheep won't lie down or, at all if they're in fear. Or if they're um, being um, pestilence by something, by flies. Or if there's friction within the, 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 the herd, the sheep. They won't lie down. They won't rest. Even though there's green food there, they won't eat. They won't do anything. And he makes us lie down and find rest and provides in green pastures. And then he lies me, lies me, uh, leads me beside still waters. And we talked about how the, what does that mean? And a sheep won't drink from running water because, again, they're scared. So, so the, the shepherd would oftentimes dam up the creek or something with rocks so that the, the water would be still so the sheep would, would come and be willing to drink. That's your heavenly father, guys. That's your shepherd. Man, that, that's, that's what he wants to do. That's what he's trying to do because he knows when we drink from his well that we're not going to thirst anymore. Beautiful picture of that. So now we're going to move to this second half. Because as David writes, he knows also, like we just said, that life's not all green pastures. Life's not all still waters. David experienced much of that in his own life. As people come against him, as enemies come against him. So we see that the Lord, even though he's our shepherd, we're still going to walk through a valley. There's still going to be some challenging times. And, and the Bible is very clear that all those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what? Persecuted. Persecuted. That's what Paul told Timothy. You will be. All those. Not all those who just call themselves a Christian. Not all those who just go to church. All those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. There's going to be valleys. There's going to be challenges. That's a promise. Jesus even said himself, take heart. In this world, you'll have trouble, but I have overcome the world, all right? Valleys are there. How do you walk through them? What does it look like? Let's dig this out and unpack it. Verse 4 says, Yo, I, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
In this first passage right here, this first line of, of verse 4, we get this, this line, this saying that's really in the heart of this whole psalm that's really spoke to a lot of people have, as they've gone through very challenging, dim times in their life. Maybe even in a, in a bad health report or going through a, a time where they're about to possibly even be at the end of their own life. Or even times to, to comfort in um, celebration of life ceremonies at funerals where there's a passing of a loved one, a friend, where, where people have used this psalm and, and read this psalm to provide comfort and to know that the shepherd is there. So we know this psalm has, has spoke volumes already to people, but let's dig this out and let's really look at this as we look at it and know that we're going to walk through challenging times in our life. So he used this phrase, this through the valley of the shadow of death, to point us to the fact that there's going to be dark, fearful experiences in life. Dark and fearful experiences in your life. So what are you right now facing that seems dark? What are you facing right now that just seems like there's really no light, there's no way out? What are you facing right now that maybe even brings fear when you think about it? Anxiety. Think about that. Is it maybe fear of what's going on in our nation and our economy? Is it fear of inflation? Is it fear of job loss? Is it fear of potential wars and rumors of wars that will take place as we walk through the last days of this earth? Is it the fear of viruses, fear of your health? What gives you fear? What brings anxiety to your heart right now that you need the Lord to help you walk through? Because here's the truth. When you look at a valley, unlike a mountaintop or a flat meadow, when you talk of valley, again, you know mountains are surrounding a valley. So it gives this picture, this illusion of something that's entrapped. All right, there's something that's, that's hemmed in, like there's no way out. Have you ever felt like that in the things that you face? Maybe with some of the things we just named, you felt like there's no way out, that there's no hope. The shepherd provides hope, even in the valley. We're going to see David walk us through that as we go through this passage. So we know the valleys are hard, the valleys are dark, the valleys seem like there's no way out. But there is. Another thing to look at and to point out is when you're in this valley and you think about a shadow, all right? You think about something that, that you come across that casts a dark space over the space in front of you. Think about that. And so oftentimes with a, with a shadow, all right, it's not something, get this, that prevents you from going forward, is it? You see, the shadow is nothing tangible. The shadow just feels gloomy, all right? Come on. The shadow is actually cast by something else. You're not fighting a shadow. We're not going against a, a circumstance that in and of itself has the ability to stop us. It definitely doesn't have the ability to stop your Lord. So we can keep walking through a shadow, can't we? Can't we? We really can. So that's the, that's the vision that David's giving. I'm walking through a shadow. I'm walking through a dark time. But I'm walking through it. 
I'm not stopped in fear. I'm not looking for a way out. I'm not living in doubt. I'm not, I haven't lost my hope. I'm walking through this period, this shadow, this valley. You see, a shadow can bring fear, but it doesn't stop your steps. I'm going to say that again spiritually. A shadow may bring you fear. We're all human. We're all going to have fear, doubt, uncertainties. That's going to be normal inside of us. But it never should stop you from walking forward with Jesus through that valley. Don't let the shadow stop you. The enemy wants it to. Here's another great point in this is this wasn't the final destination. It's not the dwelling place in the shadow. It's not the end. Here's the beautiful part. In Christ, no matter what you face, no matter what you go through, it's never the end. Paul even talked about this so many times through Philippians. And we took six months and went expositionally through the book of Philippians and dug out everything. And the title of that whole sermon series was Joyride. Because Paul talks so much about joy in the midst of circumstances and, and dark times because he himself was in chains, right? But he was still sharing the gospel with people while he was in chains. He wasn't complaining and, 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 and living in doubt and wondering why God did this to him. I mean, he was preaching Jesus. He was living his best life in chains. Man, and, and so many times that we think it's all over when bad things happen, when we're in hard circumstances, and the point of David here and the point of Paul through Philippians is you can find joy. You can find hope still no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're walking through. Because there's three ways to be delivered, really, right? We went through this with Paul and Philippians. Three ways to be delivered. As a, if you're truly a child of God, if you are in Christ, right? Three ways you can be delivered. The Lord can deliver you out of something, all right? He can. He can work the miracle and he can pull, it, pull you right out of something if that's what he chooses. He can do that. He's God. He's sovereign. Or he can deliver you through something. What David's alluding to here, as I walk through this valley, he's with me. He's guiding you no matter what's going on. He's there and he's helped leading you through. So he can deliver you out of something. He can deliver you through something to the end. Or get this. This is what Paul alluded to Philippians. He can deliver you unto himself. So many times as followers of Christ, we're like, oh, that's not what I wanted. You mean, you mean I got to die and go to heaven? Oh, what a shame. But how many times do we look at life like that? Like, like this is all we got. Like, I don't want to leave this, Lord. It's like holding on to this little dinky package and, and gripping it tight. And the Lord's behind you. And it's just like, man, if you'll trust me, if you'll turn and give me that, I'll give you something bigger. I'll give you something better. Man, and so many times we, we, we miss that. that. That's one of the ways the Lord can deliver us is to himself. And I'm going to tell you what. There's no better graduation ceremony than to leave this earth as a follower of Christ and be in glory with Jesus. Do you believe that? Are you eternal minded like that? Man. Man, and I don't think I even understood the magnitude of this when I was younger. But man, recently, and I'm still young. I'm 47. I ain't old, is it? All right. But man, as I've gotten older and my back starts hurting and, and you know I, I start to realize that man the things of this world man maybe that's not all there is the lord that i see your word and i see i'm i need to be more eternal minded I, I need to realize that this is not my home man where i can where i can talk like paul and, and say man i consider my life worth nothing if i could just complete the race and finish the task the lord jesus has given me and that's to share his word and tell people about him that's it mm. 
Yeah, there's, there's fun times. The Lord wants to enjoy our, his creation and, and, and fellowship and, and everything around us. He wants to enjoy that. But man, this is not all there is. And don't live like it is. Even when you're going through a hard time. David's walking us through this because he knows he's going through the shadow, through the valley. And then I love this part where he kind of shifts focus right here in verse 4. Because at the first part he says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And why would he fear no evil? Why would you and I be able to have the confidence to say, I fear no evil? That's hard sometimes, but why would we do it? In ourself, in our flesh? Was David bowing up right here? Oh, I'm a bad man. I killed me a lion, a bear, and Goliath. Oh, come on. Come at me. Come at me and my family. I'm going to bust some chops, right? Oh, what did he say? This is the guy who slayed Goliath. He will fear no evil. Why? What did he say? For you are with me. He shifted. You see, the circum- it was I in this circumstance. I'm in the valley. I'm in the presence of evil. But then you know what? I got to shift my focus off of me and what's going on because you are with me. Can you and I have that heart shift? Maybe today it's needed because, man, so, so much right now, maybe you've been just overwhelmed by something. And you need a heart shift, a focus shift from you and your circumstances to the almighty sovereign God who's with you. And will deliver you if you're in Christ. Guaranteed. Three ways, remember? Three ways. But it's a guaranteed mountaintop experience at the end of the valley if you're in Christ. Live like it, church. Let's live like there's a guaranteed end mountaintop experience at the end of the valley. I don't care what goes on in this world. I don't care all the, the, all the sin, the destruction, the, the glorification of what Bible calls sin. Man, yes, yes, we, we detest it, yes. But we, our job is to love and reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we've got to live like. Like there's hope that we're, but man, if the world sees us, oh no, it's such a, such a horrible time to live. Do you think they're going to want to be, uh, have a life in Jesus? Man, but that's so easy for you and me to do. Oh, I can't believe my kids got to grow up in this. And what's it going to look like 20 years from now? Who cares? Jesus may come back. They'll be in a better place. Believe me. Man, if we could just shift our focus. It's not about me. It's not about my experience. It's because you're with me. Then he comes down to here, the end of verse 4, and he says, Your rod and your staff, they what? They comfort me. Let's look at this a little bit. If something's going to comfort us in the midst of this valley, in the midst of evil, what am I looking for? What are you talking about? Going back to this shepherd and sheep kind of focus and look so what is a rod and a a rod and a man what did my voice just do man a rod and a staff all right so there's some debate and i don't know why among uh, commentators and theologians as to whether this rod and staff are the same thing or two separate things but when you look at the hebrew in this they're definitely two separate words so really there's no debate these are two separate things to look at so let's look at them rod and a staff so the Hebrew word for rod is shebet, all right? It simply means a stick, but it's like a club, like this um, club or a stick that would be used for force, for protection, all right, for fighting. Then when you look at the next word, the staff, it's the Hebrew word mishanah, all right, which means of a support. It's like a walking stick, something that will 
kind of guide and direct. So when you look at what the shepherd carried, the rod was called a cudgel, all right? And it was there for power, for protection, for defense, all right? Shepherd would often count him sheep with it, but it was what David alluded to when the lion and the bear came to him when he was talking to Saul about killing Goliath, about taking that chump out. He was said, man, when, when they come at me, I struck them. Struck them with what? With this, with that rod, okay? So it was a, a part of power, protection, and strength. Then the staff was this walking stick, all right? We've all seen the proverbial shepherd stick, the long stick with the hook at the top and all that. And the shepherd would use that to, of course, secure himself on uneven ground, but then also to guide the sheep, all right? So here you go. When you look at the Lord, our shepherd, his rod and his staff in the midst of our valley, in the midst of evil, they comfort us. Y'all know our shepherd's got a rod and that he can beat off some stuff that comes against his sheep. He can do it. And he can remove and push back the forces of evil. It's since he holds Satan on a leash, it doesn't mean you're not going to have some challenges, man. You can read through the rest of the Bible. And we need to put on our armor so that when that day of evil comes, that we can stand. We know we're going to be fighting against an enemy in full force, okay? But the Lord God, our shepherd, is beating that dude off. Oh, man. And, and so that rod, it brings me comfort to know that, yes, though I'm walking through a shadow of death, I can fear no evil. Why? Because I know my God. He's with me. He's got a rod. <laughs> he can use it anytime he wants. But then he's also got a staff. He's got this walking stick. And it's a picture of God's grace, God's mercy, God's stability for us. His, his unmerited favor, giving us things we don't need, that's his grace. And his mercy, withholding things that we deserve, right? And, and that's, 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 that's him. That's when we're a child of God. That's benefited to us. We don't have to work or do things to gain that. That's free. His grace, his mercy, because of what Jesus did on the cross, is guaranteed to us who laid on our life. Deny ourselves and take up our cross to follow after Jesus, to follow after him in faith. And lay down our life to him. But then also something else that this stick did, this staff that the shepherd used, is he would use it to control the sheep and guide the sheep. That if there were some that kind of tried to stray or get off path, he would take that thing and give them a little tap. Just a boop, 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 boop. Anybody ever been tapped by that stick before of the shepherd? You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, boy. Hey, uh, there's a cliff over there. You better, mm-hmm, right here. I've been tapped. I hope you have. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. Okay, all right, and that's okay because sometimes we're sheep, right? We we had that whole illusion last week. Remember the sheep one on one class we took last week, and we know that we're kind of, in a sense, dumb animals, and we don't train very well. Okay, and we're easily led astray and wander off. And yeah, that's us. Okay, that's us spiritually. It's easy for us to wander off. That's the picture. So the Lord wants to guide and direct us back with His staff. It's a beautiful picture. Of what he uses. So they comfort us. So if David gets off track in the valley and, and is not heading straight through and is doing this kind of number and, and turning backwards and getting lost, the shepherd can take his staff and guide him and say, hey, here, here, here's the way through. Here's the way out. Beautiful picture when you dig this out. Verse 5. Huge uh, theology in this verse as well. There's a table for us. 
in the presence of our enemies. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What does that mean? That sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? What does this mean spiritually, spiritually, theologically? So we have this picture. We're not out of the valley yet. Evil's still surrounding us. We're still in that scenario. And in the midst of all that, yes, there's a rod and a staff for the Lord to bring us comfort. But then also he's going to provide for us in the middle of all this. There's provision. There's a sense of rest and eat. Because when you think of sitting down at a table, you just didn't run through the drive-thru at Mickey D's. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're actually taking the time. Somebody's taking the time, thought ahead, prepared. You sit down. You rest. You take your time to enjoy what you're eating in the midst of the chaos. Boy, that's the opposite of what we do, isn't it? You ever been real flustered in life and and you feel like you just can't even sit down and enjoy a good meal? The shepherd wants you to sit down, rest, and eat. In that green pasture, lie down, yeah. But even in the presence of the things that are tormenting you. Beautiful picture of our Lord. In the presence of the enemies. We learned before about the sheep. They wouldn't eat if they were in fear, if they were scared, if they were anxious for any reason. They just wouldn't do it. They wouldn't rest and they wouldn't eat. The Lord's guiding us and directing us to rest in him and his provision. So there's peace in the midst of it. It's a beautiful picture where preparing a table suggests that God has provision. He provides. He has it all. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. His supply is not short. The supply chain of COVID hasn't affected the Lord's supply. Somebody needs to hear that. All right? You're wondering, well, how are you going to get food and all this down the road? Guess what? Yeah. Lord's given us a brain. We can use some wisdom. But the Lord's going to provide whatever we need as we walk through. All right, here we go. Also suggest prepare, it's foresight, God's knowledge and knowing that what we're going to face, that he's already got it laid out. It's not a shock to him when we face the resistance that we face in our life. It's not like, you know, that he, he you know, comes back, he like w- went to the uh, restroom up in heaven and came back to the throne and looked down, back down on earth and saw what you were going through and was like, oh, what happened? Who crashed the ship? It's not it. Nothing shocks him. Nothing. He's prepared a way for you. Will you trust and know that? Provides a table. It's foresight. Then it says before me. It's for you. I'm going to say it again. It's for you. It's the intimate, personal relationship of the good shepherd with his sheep. He loves you. He wants to provide for you. He knows you. He has a plan for you. There's a purpose in your suffering. There's a gain to have spiritually, although it may not make sense physically in this life. There is a gain spiritually for you and others around you as you and I walk through some tough times. It's for you. Here's an important part to to think because I've heard a, a pastor preach on this and 
He had it all jacked up because he had a big old table with a bunch of seats at the table and was talking about the enemy was coming down to sit at the eat. And you can eat in the presence of your enemies while they eat. Let me tell you something right now. Don't invite the enemy to sit at your table. You know what I'm talking about? Uh-uh. He had a good illustration. It was all cool and hyped up and all that. It was off doctrinally. God does not prepare a table for your enemy to come down and sit and eat with you. Okay? Don't you let the enemy come sit at your family's table and eat. Okay? Uh-uh. No, uh-uh. This chair is for me and my family and my Lord. Is it. For those that are, that are in Christ and my family, I'm talking about, you know, not only your physical family, your blood family, but your spiritual family, the body of Christ. That's who that table's for. Not for that punk to come and sit down and try to eat and act like he likes you when he's trying to destroy your life. Okay? Man, you, you, you run that dude off. Okay? I mean, if, if you're sitting there and, you know, you think about a lion, all right, because Bible alludes to the, the righteous will be as bold as a lion, right? So you think about yourself as a lion. And somebody tried to reach their hand over in there and take some of your food. You better get back, boy, right? Don't let the enemy sit at your table. That's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. This is saying God's provision and goodness in the midst and the presence of your enemies trying to destroy you and come against you. Your enemies are not flesh and blood. They're not people. Let's get that straight. It's a spiritual power. It's a spiritual battle. And he tries to attack your mind. So this enemy that we're talking about can be anxiety, depression, fear, everything just trying to infiltrate you. Hey, false doctrine, false teachers, everything that the enemy uses to try to get you off and veer you off the path that God has for you so that you can make it through this valley. He wants to keep you there and destroy you in it. Don't let him sit at your table. Another picture of this, when you think about a soldier in the middle of a battle, because our Christian life, our Christian walk so much alluded to it as a battle, that we're in a war against evil that comes against us and against the purpose of Christ. You think about you're in a battle and you're so anxious in your tents, does the soldier have time to sit down in the middle of the battlefield and just spread out a table and eat their meal? Hold up, time out. <laughs> Don't shoot. I got to eat. Mm -mm. So the Lord, in a sense, provides something that just doesn't even make sense. In the midst of the battle, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the doubt, uncertainty, everything else we face, God wants us to rest in him and in his peace and provision. Second part of verse 5 right here, and he says this. He says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. I think it's pretty easy to Figure out what my cup runs over means. The Lord's provision is guided. He's going to provide everything we need and plus some. His grace, his mercy is lavished upon us. That's all we really need, right? And it's lavished upon us. There's, there's so much like it just pours and just dumps over. Like you're just, you know, you know, all right, stop. My cup's full. And it's like, oh, no, no, you can't get some more. Get some more. Well, can't no more fit in there. No, you go get some more anyway, right? It's like going out to eat at grandma's and you're full. And they're like, no, 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 got some cake. Now, grandma, I'm full. No, you're going to eat some cake before you walk out that door. Now, you're going to get some more. All right, that's the, the lavished grace and mercy of our Lord and our, his provision for us. So that cup runs over. But let's look at this anoint your head with oil. All right, so there's this ancient custom of hospitality and respect that's shown by dinner guests. All right, 
So if you have somebody over your house, all right, back then, that when they come in, a lot of times from weary from travel or whatnot, and they like, like don't, don't, through the camels and, you know, all through the desert and everything, and they're tired, they're hot, they would come in, and the host would anoint their head with oil. And it was a, a means of rest, of always being um, able to unwind, to be soothed, okay? So there's that aspect of it. But then also... When you look at this shepherd and sheep scenario, which I believe David had more in mind in, in this um, scenario as well, shepherds would often dump oil on the heads of their sheep. And I got a picture of that of a, of a shepherd farmer doing that to one of his sheep, if they can get it up for you. So he's actually dumping this oil on his head, right? And that's not so he could style his fur. He's doing that for a purpose, all right? So this oil would kill parasites, okay? It would kill infection, like if the sheep had gotten tangled up in some briars while trying to eat some berries or whatever. So it would help heal and prevent infection. But here's something pretty cool too. There's something called nose flies that aggravate the mess out of sheep. Remember we talked about they wouldn't eat, they wouldn't lie down and all that kind of stuff if they're annoyed with flies and pestilences. This is one of the things called nose flies. And these flies would try to get in there nose, all right? If they get in their nose, they lay eggs. These eggs will become worms. That's not good, right? The worms through your nose, what's really close behind your nose? Your, your brain, your eyes. So the worms would work their way up in there and could kill the sight of the sheep or even kill the sheep. So what the oil did is the shepherd would dump this oil on her head and it would prevent the flies from coming on the sheep. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. The shepherd puts the oil on the sheep's head so it prevents the things that want to come and attack the sheep from the inside and kill it and take its vision out where it can't see clearly, where it loses its life. The shepherd wants to anoint your head with oil so the things that want to come against you will be absent. But also many times we look to the things of this world and we miss the shepherd. It's like, man, I got some, I got some oil. Why are you going to all this stuff that's getting inside you and is laying its eggs and it's making worms and it's destroying your sight and it's destroying your health? When I got some oil. How many of you would just say, Lord, would you anoint my head with oil right now? Man, I, when I went through all this this week and I read that, I just broke. It's like, Lord, forgive me. You got the oil. You're going to prevent everything that wants to come against me. Your, your rod, your staff, they should comfort me. I should trust in you and know no matter what all the resistance is. And, and I, I, I guess sometimes, well, Lord, where are you at? Why are you here? Why would you lead me into this valley? And it's so easy as humans sometimes to just doubt, isn't it? And then to run to other things to try to fill us up. And sometimes they're the wrong things. And we try to get, get guidance from the wrong people who don't give us the, the right doctrine. And stuff just starts getting in our head. And it starts laying those eggs and those worms. And we start deviating from the one and only true good shepherd who has the oil to protect and provide. Beautiful. Do you ever have times of worry, 
mental torment, depression, anxiety, fear, you name it. Go on down the list. Who are you letting try to guide you? Is it the good shepherd? Or is it the shepherd that might be of the world? That might directly be of your enemy? The shepherd of yourself, of your own understanding, of your own finances. Who's your shepherd? Nobody else has the oil except the good shepherd, the one who lays down his life for his sheep. Verse 6, as we work to a close. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. On Sundays? Just every once in a while? Forever. Forever. Let's look at this. David knows the shepherd cares about his sheep. And he says this, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I want you to think about that. Think about that for just a minute. It's going to follow you. Think about the shepherd that guides, that directs, that, that uses that staff to keep you back in. You know, or, or a shepherd, even in today's world, may have a, a sheep dog, right? That, that will kind of herd and guide and direct the sheep. That's the, 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 the sheep dogs of goodness and mercy to keep us in the flock. To keep us in the comfort and the care of the shepherd so we don't wander astray and lose hope. Beautiful picture. And then look at this second half of this where it says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Think about dwell. That word dwell means what it means. It means to inhabit, to live somewhere. Not just for this life. David said forever. It's for eternity. So when you are in Christ, when you're a child of God, your desire is to be in his house in his presence, the presence of the shepherd, not just on Sundays for an hour where you watch your clock and, and realize the bald-headed pastor's preaching too long, right? It's, it's forever. You want to be there in, a, in whatever. I just want to be with you, Lord. I just want to be in your presence. I want to be around people who love you. I want to be around your word. I want to learn. I want to be guided. I want to be directed. I want my toes stepped on to correct me when I'm wrong. That's your heart. That's the heart that only the Spirit of the Lord gives you, by the way. That's the, you can't have that on your own. That's the Lord that does that for you. I love Psalm 27, 4. Another chapter in this book that we went through a couple weeks ago. I'll read it again. The first four says, David speaking again through the Lord, says, One thing I have desired from the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And behold the beauty of the Lord forever. Right? And behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire, which means to seek him in his temple. Man, is that your heart? Is that your desire? To dwell in the house of the Lord. Behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of him, which means to seek him in his temple. That's in his house. Do you look forward to coming to church on Sundays? I hope you do. My desire has always been to preach the word in such a way where you hate to miss. Where you start thinking, hey, honey, let's make our vacation. We'll leave on Sunday after church before we go to the beach. And let's make sure we back Sunday night because I don't want to miss next week. That's my desire. And I'm not trying to be legalistic or anything. But I want you to hunger and thirst and enjoy God's word. I want you to hunger and thirst and enjoy the fellowship of this body of believers and enjoy what God's doing. But, you know, it's not about me and how I preach. Do you hunger for the Lord anyway? 
even if I come up here every Sunday and bore you to death, (laughs) you should still want to be here in the presence of God because it's about him. It's not about me. It's not about how I preach. Do you desire to be here? David wrote in in Psalms 84, the psalmist says again, says, we know the verse, you've heard that before. It says, better is one day in your courts than how many elsewhere? Thousand elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts, in your house, in your presence, than a thousand elsewhere. It says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell. That means live in the tents of the wicked. Ooh. Oh, that's some strong stuff. Think about that. Better is one day in your presence than a thousand elsewhere. See, I'm going to tell you right now, the 21st century American church has got it jacked up by the presence of the enemy in people's hearts and minds, thinking, man, it's better to have one day elsewhere than a thousand in church. I'd rather have one day at the beach, at the lake, than a thousand in church. That's the enemy. It's eaten away again at our spiritual fabric of our brain that God wants to change and transform through his word. As I close this up completely, when you think about this whole passage, and I thought about going through valleys, eating in the presence of enemies, having the comfort of God's rod and his staff, being comforted, him anointing our head with oil, preventing all the pestilences, the things that want to destroy And I thought about two things. One is what Paul said that's often taken out of context in Philippians 4.13. You know that verse. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's not talking about, I can bench press 400 pounds because I'm going to do it for Jesus. Well, you may not have the physical genetics or ability to bench press 400 pounds, so please don't try. All right? It's not talking about, I'm going to go, I'm going to pass this test Next month that I didn't study for. It's not what it's talking about. If you keep it in context, Paul in this passage in Philippians was talking about whether I'm in need or whether I'm in abundance. Whether I'm hungry or whether I don't have any food. Whether I have money, whether I don't. I can endure. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's the context. When you were in the valleys, when there's persecution all around, when you're in need, then you can do all things through Christ. There's the context. And I love John 15, verses 1 through 8. I'm going to read that quickly. Obviously, we don't have time to dive into that in any way, shape, or form. But turn with me to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. And it's a passage of scripture that you're very familiar with. I don't want to read it. It says, I'm the vine. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me. How many times do you think Jesus got to say it? 
He who abides in me. Do you abide in him? And I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Somebody say the word nothing. Nothing. Oh, you, oh, you mean my marriage without? Uh-huh, nothing. You mean my, my finances? Uh, nothing. You mean my, my, my job, my, my, uh, my vocation? Nothing. You mean my, my life? My, 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 uh, nothing. Can't do anything. And it's worth nothing apart from Christ. Let's finish. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, that's good stuff. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you may bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. And I think about the sheep and how we're so prone to wander, so prone to drift, so prone to go toward the things of this world and the things that make sense to us and the things that make us feel good. And we wander off from the herd. And here's Jesus's words right here saying, abide in me. This word abide means stay. Meno, it's the Hebrew word, means stay. Right there, the Greek word, stay. Stay right here. If anybody's ever had an animal, you know they get scared in a thunderstorm, right? Even though as much as you provide for them and and they know that that you're the caretaker and, and there's safety and provision and love and food and attention and all that in your house, you leave your door open and that thunder cracks, go whack! And that animal runs straight out the door. And oftentimes they get lost because they keep running in fear and they can't find their way back. So then you, the shepherd, have to go out and look and call, don't you? Well, maybe something, somehow, some way has cracked a piece of thunder in your life and you've run away from the house of the shepherd in fear and anxiety. Maybe something else has led you out. And I want you to know the shepherd has left the 99. He's trying to call you back. Will you come back to him today? He's made a way of provision that you can rest in. It's a story of a man and his family out in the far west, and there was this big wildfire that had started. And it was in the vicinity of his home, and, and he knew that his family might potentially be in danger if the wind shifted and, and if there wasn't any rain. So what he did, he, he went out because he was very knowledgeable as a firefighter and his family grew up as a firefighter. He went out and he, he started a fire over in his backfield. And he burnt this whole backfield up down to the crisp and provision for what potentially could come. And sure enough, the winds blew this wildfire and rains didn't come and, and this wildfire threatened their property and their house. So he had to get his family out in a hurry. They come in the middle of the night. So he, he gets them all up and they run out. And he says, hey, we're going and we're staying right here. And his kids and his wife are like, what, what are you talking about? No, we're staying right here. This fire is right on us. It shifted during the night. We don't have time to go anywhere else. We're going right here. 
And he took them into this field that he had previously burned. And the kids, of course, not knowing as the fire started consuming and was all around them. And they could feel the heat. And they could even feel some of the sparks. And the smoke was so much on them at times that they felt like they couldn't breathe. And they're like, Daddy, Daddy, I don't understand. I don't understand. It's hot. I can't breathe sometimes. It's scary. And he says, stay right here. Stay right here because you're safe. The fire won't get us here because this spot, oh, come on, has already been burned. Jesus has already burnt you a spot to rest and find safety. Will you abide in him and in that spot? Don't run. Don't stray. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, it gets hot. Yeah, it may be, feel like times you can't breathe. But that spot's already burned. And you're safe in the provision of the shepherd. His presence means everything in your life and in your family's life and possibly even to other people around you. Why would you stray from his presence? Let's bow our head and close our eyes. I just wonder if there's anybody here today that the Lord's calling back. He said, Lord, I'm tired of running. I'm coming back. You'll find his arms open wide. You just come. You may be here today and you say, Brad, man, I, I've never made Jesus Lord of my life. I've been in and out of church doors, and I mean, I've, I've heard the story of the gospel. I've heard Bible preaching, and I've, I've heard all this. I maybe even prayed a little prayer at one time in my life, but I've never surrendered my heart, my life to him. I've never felt this, this life, this change, this, this walking with the shepherd like this passage is talking about today. You can have that today, right now. It's as simple as surrendering your life. Give up control to him. Say, Jesus, I'm done. I'm denying myself. I'm giving my heart, my life, my all to you. That's it. You don't have to do anything else. You see, that surrender, that heart of repentance, that's not of you. That's not a work. That's a product of the Spirit of God in your heart that even leads you to that. That's the Spirit of God calling you to himself. Will you answer that with just a yes? Yes, Father. Yes, Lord. I'm yours. That's it. Receive him today. If that's you, I'm going to lead you through a heartfelt prayer from you to God just giving surrender and total control to Jesus today. Or if you're here and you say, Brad, I've, you know, I've walked with the Lord previously, but lately, like you talked about, man, I've deviated. I've strayed, man. Like, like this all sheep, we've gone astray and gone our own ways, and, and I want to come running back today. I want to come running back to that spot, that burnt spot that the shepherd has prepared, and I want to abide there. So I'm going to rededicate my life to him. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to pray the same prayer from your heart to God's heart and just realize that this isn't a magic prayer. The words don't save you. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, but if with your heart that you believe and are justified, it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. It's with your heart. Are you ready to give him your heart, your life, your all right now today for the first time or to rededicate Just say, dear God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of you, my Savior. To this point in my life, I've been running living for myself, the things of this world, and it's separated me from you. 
And Lord, today I want to come back. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross. That his body was broken and his blood was shed. That I could have life. That I could be forgiven, restored, redeemed, renewed. And Lord, thank you for raising from the grave three days later. Proving that you are God. And that you stand in victory over all hell, death, the grave, and sin. So Lord, I want to claim your victory right now in my life. Because I need it. And my commitment to you, Father, is from this day forward. That all of my life, all of my days, that I want to dwell in your house. In your presence. And my life is for your glory. Amen. If that's you and you meant business with God right there for the first time or to rededicate your life to him. Every head still bowed, eyes still closed. If you did business with Jesus right there, would you raise your hand? Just say, Brad, I prayed that prayer. I meant business with God right here today, either for the first time or the rededication time, whatever it was. The Lord's just all over me. Amen. If I don't see you, God does. Amen. Church, can we give Jesus a big round of applause for his word today? I know he's moving in all our hearts and all our lives, and I hope that He's moved in yours as much as he's moved in mine as I've studied and looked at this and prepared because he deals with me first before it ever gets to you. And uh, man, I hope you learned a lot these past two weeks in this very popular uh, psalm that there's so much doctrine and depth in there and understanding. I hope you can take that and learn and know who your shepherd is and abide in him. And let's take it and let's go make an impact for Jesus. Thanks again for joining us today. The Lord is truly doing an amazing work and we would love for you to be a part of it. Check out the show notes for links to our website and social media pages. Or if you're ever in the Lynchburg or Forest, Virginia area, please come on by and join us in making an impact for Christ.